0: Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Daly, and in this episode, we're chatting with Mondo Davis, a board game designer who signed his first game in 2016 and has since signed five additional games with various publishers, including Colorfield and Mansplaining. Mondo, welcome to the binge. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I am doing fantastic. Um, You and I haven't, this is the first time we're meeting. We haven't met before, uh, but I did come across you on your TikTok channel uh, of all places. And you're saying just before we went on air, that's been uh, uh, an avenue where a lot of people have started approaching you uh, recently.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. Um, I mean, it's, I think I got into TikTok probably um, relatively early for a lot of board game uh, yeah. kind of stuff. So um, I've been able to, I mean, we you know, were talking about the, the growth, which has been fun, but also just having like, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of an open frontier and I think it still is, especially for designers being on there, like just having really easy access to, to publishers and to people that are in the industry so I've seen a lot of relationships develop, you know, out of the, the time I spent on there, just in the short time I've been on there. So it's been really fun.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because when I, when I follow uh TikTok um, content and creation advice, right. And there's, there's tons of, even on TikTok, there's tons of advice on how to create TikToks and how to build yeah. a channel. And, you know, a lot of people say um, niche, niche, niche. So niche down, right. Yeah. yeah. And and the other is provide, uh, provide something, um, like learning or, or, or educational kind of content or something that people might learn from. And certainly I think you're, you're closing in on 10,000 followers, which I think is awesome. Not quite there yet, but you're almost there. And mm-hmm. um, you know, when I look at your content and this is what caught me and I've been following you for now, I'd say probably at least three, four months um, when I first came across your content and that's, you know, like everybody in the board game industry on TikTok, you just start following every game designer, yeah, anybody's everything. doing anything board game related. You just start following them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I followed you. So now you, 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 come into my feed and, um, and, and you provide advice. And the one that, that, that hooked me was, um, you were providing advice on, uh, software that, that every game designer should, should be using. Right, and I think the one was actually Wombo, and I hadn't heard of it. And you're talking about it, I'm like, "Oh, what's that?" So I went on my phone really quickly, looked it up. I'm like, "This is the greatest thing ever! How did I not know this before?" Yeah. Right? I can use this to create uh, cards, and uh, we're working on a game right now where um, we need like a mock-up kind of face cover of our of our, of our game box, mm. and it's a bit abstract and so forth. And I I use that app, and I actually created through their AI software. Something nice. that will be a great stand-in until I actually hire an artist to do that. Do that for me. So yeah, yeah. You know, there you are providing advice. <laughs> you know, I'm on the receiving end, take the advice, and you know, it's actually enhanced my my creation, creative process, quite frankly, as a game designer. So, you know, that's an example of how you know niching down. You know, might not get uh, you know the hundreds of thousands of followers right away, but certainly, I think the quality of the followers that you get. Um, is uh, is kind of what you're looking for, right? Because you can have that that engagement yeah. with your audience, which I think is important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I'm I'm glad it I'm glad it was helpful for you for sure. Um, but I think that's that's kind of been my focus the whole time. I mean, when I started designing, um, I had no idea what I was doing, and and was yeah. able to um, I mean, reached out to a lot of other designers that were established, and knew what they were doing, and got just so much help and advice and answers to my questions. And it was like um, all any success I've had, you know, is a directly because of the the help that I got early on, so when I was kind of getting into TikTok just as as a as a consumer, you know, I was like this. I, I really in, I really like this platform, yeah, cool. but nobody on this platform is doing board game design stuff. Uh, I mean, John Brieger was kind of the only guy that was, and um, I. You know, as as a way to sort of pay back like all of the time and and help that I got as as a new designer, I figured like it'd be fun to get on there just do like very basic kind of introductory. You know, you want to design a game, but you don't really know how to start, or you don't know what to do once you've play tested a few times or something like that. Um, so, yeah, with that yeah. in mind, like it's it's been cool to to connect with people and to be able to sort of provide that um, service for for folks to get started.
0: Yeah, it's awesome, and in this whole kind of idea of paying it forward. Right. And, you know, even, you know, Jamie Stagmire is a world, right. He is mm-hmm. constantly paying it forward. And, you know, he's appreciative of all the fan base that he has. Uh, he's still mm-hmm. one of the most humble people I, I, I can even think of in this industry. Yeah. Um, but he's constantly paying it forward. Right. He's saying, you know, what? I was successful. I continue to be successful. And you know what? I want you to be successful too. So here's some advice. And if you go to, again, I plug this all the time, but if you go to the Stonemaier games website, he's got a blog you can follow. Um, he literally has a paint by numbers, uh, kind of map for you on how to take a game to, to market and how to do Kickstarters and things like this, how to build a following. Um, and I, I think that the smart designers out there or the smart developers try to consume as much content as they can from the community. Right. And, Mm, and, and, and continue to learn. I know myself, uh, you know, I still don't consider myself. I know, although we've got a portfolio of games. I still don't feel like I know anything. Right. I'm like (laughs) every day. I'm still trying to learn stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's that craving that, that thirst for knowledge, which on top of creating games, which is kind of the bug that kind of bites us all. Mm -hmm. I think it's that, that, that wanting to constantly learn that, uh, that kind of drives us as well. Is that, is that with you as well? Or.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm constantly listening to podcasts or to, you know, watching videos on YouTube or whatever. I think that, um, i yeah i mean especially as like an independent designer that i've been doing it for five years which you know in the grand scheme of things isn't that much yeah that's not <laughs> right yeah um so i'm very aware of um how much better i could be and how much better other people are at it so like yeah. the opportunities that are out there and i think that's something i love about the community is there's so many opportunities and resources for people to go and learn more and like people you know designers like jamie's a great example that are just like hey what do you want to know like i'm going to tell you absolutely everything you want to know <laughs> and you can and you can uh grow and develop as a designer so um I, yeah i mean I, the thirst for that is great and I, and I think that was something that drew me again to kind of creating the channel um was just being able to use whatever experience i've had which again is you know not that much but it's 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 enough i think that that um i wanted to share it and i wanted to give people a chance to to learn and to grow um, and ask questions and get questions answered and hear stories yeah. and you know all that so
0: so five years isn't isn't a lo- isn't that long I've been doing it roughly even less I think than you I think I started in like 2017 mm-hmm. um you know and I think all of us we say you know we started and I'll put that in quotation marks because that's usually when our our first title was published, right uh, for many of us you know the design process and the tinkering and stuff like that went for many years prior but for like for you you know what were you doing? what was kind of your were, were you working somewhere before you did this or are you still like what's kind of your background? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm a teacher actually. That's my oh, that's cool. my day job. Um and I've I've been in teaching for about twelve years in different degree, levels of education. But um yeah. I actually so I did I didn't I did started designing five years ago. I I actually Oh really? Didn't, wow. Yeah, I think I think so my first title was actually signed in twenty nineteen, so just three years ago. Okay. Um but I actually had Kind of, I mean, I kind of came in through the back door <laughs> um, of design. Like, I, I was not familiar or aware of the hobby game um, world, community, culture yep. at all. Um, but I had an idea for making, uh, there's this old uh, video game that was available on an OS, Mac OS system when I was a kid called Escape Velocity, which was my favorite ca- computer game. Yeah. Um, but it was essentially you couldn't play it anymore because it wasn't up like it was never updated it was never re-released so i was kind of lamenting the fact that i couldn't play that game because i just had great experiences playing as a kid um and was thinking to myself like you know it'd be cool if somebody made a board game about it about that since it's it's otherwise dead and so i figured i'd take it take a shot so i started designing this game again not knowing anything about board games or that they even existed um to the degree that they do yeah uh, and from there just, you know, got into the industry that way, like got into the hobby that way as a designer, trying to figure out <laughs> how to make a board game. Um, but yeah. And so, then this first
0: game, so, uh, did, no, did that game actually make it to publish at no, all or do no. you just kind of create it to say, I want to create a, you know, a an analog or a tactile version of this video game classic that I know.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was, that was what I. That's why I started, um, and I, I made a mistake that a lot of designers make early on. Is I only play tested it with friends and family. Yeah. And I play it with a, you know a good number of friends and family, um, and the feedback that I got was just overwhelmingly positive. Um, the best thing not ever. Because the yeah exactly. Not because <laughs> the game was good, but because they were impressed that I made a board game. Yeah. Um, so I internalized that as the game is really good because uh, everybody, all these people that play it, love it. So I actually went and took that game to publishers, and um, like went to a couple a few cons in, in 2016, uh, pitching that game. Um, and the game was it was really bad. I mean, it was a terrible game. But <laughs> I've since like tried to go back and see if I can salvage it, and it's just like no, there's nothing here. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah. So so that experience though of like you know learning that process of contacting publishers and setting up meetings and putting together pitch of, and videos and sell sheets and all that stuff, um, was just kind of this trial by fire that I went through because I thought I had this game that was like really, really great. Um, and then once that it was kind of explained to me that that game wasn't good and I was able to really see that, uh, you know, I just had fallen in love with the process and, and, um, How do you quit. take that
0: feedback? <laughs> Cause it, again, the first time you start getting feedback in your creation. Uh, it's tough not to take it personally, right? Because oh, yeah, yeah. creating something is very, very personal. It's like writing a song. If you wrote a song and then you said, Hey, you know, people, what do you think of this? And then they shred it. Mm. Uh, it I mean, you would take that quite personally or painting. Say you did a painting, right? And, and you're yeah. an artist and you said, Hey, you know, what do you think of this painting? And people are like, ah, I don't think you did this and you should have done this way. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very personal thing. So how did you find it the first time when you had to kind of manage that? and uh you know take that feedback
1: yeah i mean i i think that um unless i didn't really get f- hard critical feedback for a long time for that game um yeah. the publishers that i showed it to they were i mean they were very direct but they're also very kind you know like they get a lot yeah. they have to let a lot of people down so usually they're pretty good at that um because they get pitched so many games by designers you know then they don't sign most of them so yeah uh You know, I kind of walked away from those meetings thinking like, okay, like, and you probably should change some things and see if I can take some of that, those ideas that they had and and implement, but it wasn't like this game is bad, you know, um, that wasn't the feedback that I was getting. And that wasn't until I, I spent, um, I was out and traveling through Europe with my wife and I had connected on the online with Jeffrey Allers, who is a designer that did, um, a game called New York Slice and Gunky Mono. And he's done, Mm -hmm. he's done several, but, uh, basically he ended up inviting me to his um, like designer meetup in Berlin. So he's, he's oh, wow. an American that lives in Germany, but then all of his design group is his friends are all German. I mean, they're all published designers from Germany. So I brought my game and I sat down and I played it and they were just so German with their feedback. I mean, very direct, very critical, like, no, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. Um, and luckily at that point I had kind of, been around the process enough to understand like, yeah. okay, these guys know what they're talking about. So yeah. if they say it's bad, it's probably bad. So, so I was able to receive that feedback, um, you know, in, in a way that I could hear it and that I, I didn't take it personally. Cause I knew I, I had again, been around designers enough to figure out like, all right, these people aren't trying to hurt my feelings. They're just being honest and uh, honesty is what I need. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I always recommend if you ever get a chance to play test with designers, um, it's it's great because I think designers are really good at giving very targeted and direct feedback and not worrying about your feelings.
0: Yeah, they, um, yeah, they cut you Especially if they're it. German. Yeah, I, 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 for me, I find the, the biggest challenge uh, when getting feedback from people sometimes is cutting through the feedback to improve upon what I have Versus the feedback of them trying to turn into some into a game that they want.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know
0: what I'm saying? And, and I yeah, encountered yeah. that a lot on a couple of my games where, you know, I'm taking the feedback right. And then also I'm realizing, wait a second, they're just trying to turn this into a completely different game. And really sure. what I was looking for feedback on was, you know, is this mechanic working or thematically does this thing fit? And I think sometimes it's important to set that expectation up front to say, here's kind of the sandbox of feedback that I'm looking for from you. Right. Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah. and I, I've had that and I've had, uh, you know, I've had a reviewer once say, well, I'm not going to give you any feedback if you're going to constrain me. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. But I'm not, you know, I'm not, we're at a stage right now where we're, we're doing the final polishing. Right. Cause we're, we're close to going live. I want to make sure nothing's broken here, but I'm not mm-hmm. looking to turn this into a different game.
1: Well, I'm sure. not
0: looking to switch the core mechanic into a different mechanic. There's a reason why we picked the specific core mechanic. Right. So, you know, it's a little bit of a, a nuanced dance I find sometimes uh, with the feedback. Um, but I agree from designers. Gosh, I was in uh, uh protospiel uh Toronto, and uh, I didn't bring a game, but I was there just to play tests and play other people's games. And mm-hmm. you know, it was a- always a little bit of um, uh, pensive about giving feedback myself because I don't want to be overly critical. And I want to encourage people to to create their own their own games. Yeah, I course. remember I was at this one table we we're playing. And we're, I think, on like round two. And then somebody just goes, you know, time out. I think I've played enough to give you my feedback. <laughs> like, yeah. the game's done. I'm, I'm going to yeah. give you my feedback. We're, we're not going to complete this game. I'm going to give you the feedback right now. All right. And it was a bit of a shorthand that kind of, it was a little bit jarring for me, but for everyone else at the table, that was, they're like, oh yeah, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I think we got enough to give our feedback too. And the person's like, okay, great. And when I step back from that, I'm like, okay, well, the person whose game it was, they want to get feedback from as many people as possible, right? So, if they can get feedback from people halfway into the game, then and then get some other people at the table, that's cool. They don't have to finish that game, yeah, it's actually probably better sure. that they don't finish it and get on to the next group. So, yeah, absolutely, you know, it's still kind of a bit of a, a learning process, but it's uh, it uh, it certainly has been kind of a bit of a wake up call. But that's usually what I, I, you know, caution, especially new designers that try not to take it personally. Um, it's very hard not to take it personally, but try not to take it personally. Yeah and uh
1: i think that comes with time i mean i think the more um you know i'm at a point where every game that i design my the question is is this going to be licensed by a publisher like is this Mm. the start of something that's going to be good enough to publish um because i'm not publishing my own games i'm not really interested in self-publishing just personally um so it's like yeah i mean if if i play test a game and there's nothing there like i want to know that up front you know if there's if there's not something that the players are connecting to that's interesting that has potential to be really good um i want to scrap it and move on to the next design you know <laughs> because i you know i have limited I, I don't do this full-time so i have limited creative yeah. time to design and and i i do want the outcome of my time to to, to be productive in that sense
0: sure. um, and in that case so, then when you it scrap it are you scrapping it like come full scrap or do you try to like salvage a the theme and rework the theme into something else or how does that work? I mean, it,
1: it depends. I mean, my my process is very mechanical. Um, I always, almost always, start with um, with mechanisms, with you know what you do, um, how you play, like the turn mechanics, mm. what what you're doing on your turn, yep. uh, more so than theme, because I found that um, I can create stronger games, better games, if I have if I have really good game mechanics and mechanisms in the game, and then find a theme that fits those mechanics. So. Mm. Um, Typically, if I'm playtesting in an early stage, there's not going to be much to it besides that mechanic that I'm testing out, you know, sure. and I maybe build some things around it. Um, and if that mechanic doesn't work, you know, for example, like if, if I have some kind of draft system or like, you know, I've done this has happened before, we've got a game where cards are on the table and there's a specific way that you're supposed to pick them up. And I'm thinking, like, this might be interesting, an interesting choice, uh, which cards you pick up into your hand to play for points or whatever um and after that people playing it are like you know i asked that question i was like was that draft interesting and they say well, you know it's okay <laughs> like if that's the answer they get and that's all that's all the game like that's what's good about the game in my mind yeah and it doesn't get a strong reaction then like okay maybe it's not that good um if you know again if, if there's something there that i need to kind of flesh out then that's you know then i'll flesh it out but if it's mm-hmm. if there's not a lot of places for it to go. And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. I'll just move on to the next one um, and keep that moving. Cause like, that's this, again, the success that I've had getting game signed is, is just having a lot of games kind of polished and ready because I'm only focusing my time on uh, games that have that potential.
0: So let's um, talk about that. I'm showing your, um, your, your website, uh, and we'll get into the games you've published in a minute. But I mean, if you just look at your current website, you've got your, your sell sheets up there for like, you you're ready to sell, right? You've got designed uh, design, uh, publishers can go to your site and you have your a la carte choices, right? There's, I think I'm counting 10 games up there right now, um, you know, where people can see exactly, okay, here's uh, the gist of how the game is played and so forth. So certainly it's clear that content uh, and uh, an amount of, uh, or quantity seems to be something that you want to kind of get a number of different concepts and game ideas out there to mm-hmm. increase your odds of being picked up, is that is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I think um, you know, there's so many different markets within the board game industry, and so many mm-hmm. different publishers that are you know trying to appeal those markets. Um, I mean, I make a lot of games because I make a lot of games <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I spend a lot of my free time working on it, and you know, yeah. I have a nice network of of people that can play test and and kind of support through that. Um, so I I don't know that I make a lot of games in like on purpose it's just like what i've you know just kind of Mm -hmm. what happens when when i spend the time that i spend on it yeah Um, but i do think i do think that having uh, a portfolio of games um it just really helps your chances because you know I'll, I'll go to a con and i have i have a you know, little literal portfolio folder that i'll sit down with a with a publisher if i get a meeting and i'll just flip through it you know i'll go through all 10 of my cell sheets and i'll just do a quick little thing like here's this game mm. go to the next one go to the next one and then if they say okay this one looked interesting this one looked interesting go back and tell me more or you know can i do you have this can we set it up can we see it um yeah. that's that's what publishers are looking for. Like they just want a quick idea of what you got. And if they see something that's interesting, then they want to see more. So having that available, like having some options to choose from, I think is uh, again, something that takes a lot of time. Like it takes a lot of time to get there. Um, (laughs) A lot of design time, but it's also something that's just, just tremendously, you know, beneficial um, for getting published and getting games published.
0: So when you're doing that, when you're, when you're doing these, these conventions and you're, you're talking to publishers are you literally bringing like a traveling case with you that has like exam like uh, copies, like playable copies of each of the games or, or how does that work?
1: Yeah. So I am, um, I, I mean, I, I usually have uh, prototypes of anything that I think is likely to get, um, you know, looked like, at in yeah. more detail. Uh, that's typically either in a very, like I, I get it down to a very small box. I, I don't usually, I don't make, you know, big strategic um you know three four hour games that's just not what i design yep. so i i do have that luxury of like being able to fit my prototypes into my backpack um and, and carry them around so i usually have like six or seven of your prototypes just with me um, yeah. so if if the design if the publisher wants to take them home or if they want to like maybe find another time uh during the con to play it or something like that i've got it so um that's yeah that's part of the part of the package is is having all those ready to go which I is a
0: lot of <laughs> for people that are pitching their own games. The importance of having a sell sheet, uh, is key. Um, I know Joe Slack uh, from the board game designers course, he has some templates even for people, if they don't know how to kind of create that, but you know, having kind of your one pager and quite frankly, even if you're a self publisher and, uh, you know, you're looking for distributors to carry your game, you still need to have these one pagers that kind of, you know, quickly, cleanly explain what the game is, the core mechanics, number of players play time, you know, thematic. And then, um, you know, the, the gist of, um, what the game is about um you know when i when i look at uh you know someone that's kind of doing this in there in as deeply and as methodically as you are um it doesn't shock me when i see that is it like five games i think you've had published in like two years or picked up signed like that's it's that's five, awesome yeah, i've
1: got five under contract yeah and then yeah uh, congratulations like just pause there for a
0: second that, that's in <laughs> two years five five signed Thanks. man that's awesome
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, it's it has so much more to do with networking um, sure. and and getting to know people. Um, yeah. That's that's where you know. I mean, every game that I've signed has come out of a relationship that I had with with somebody in the industry, whether that's a publisher or a designer that worked with a publisher or whatever. So, uh, I think that's my advice for that. Like for how I've been able to do that is just yeah. like getting involved in the, in the community, um, whether it's online or if you're able to go to conventions or locally, you know, finding other designers, um, or people wherever you are and just connecting and meeting up and like being friends and getting to know each other. And then like things can grow out of that. Um, and and that's been, that's been my story. So it's, thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. And it, 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 and I think it even goes beyond game design, right? I think any part of this industry at all, if somebody wants to get into this industry, if they want to, help with rule book writing, or if they want to help with play testing, or if they want to help with, um, you know, marketing, even any way you want to get involved in this industry. The easiest way to do that is exactly what you're saying is to network, right? Meet as Mm -hmm. many people as you can reach out. This is one of the most welcoming, warmest, uh, industries on the planet. Yeah. people are more than happy to talk to you. People are more than happy to give you their time. Everybody wants to pay it forward. You and I were talking about this earlier. Everybody wants to pay it forward. And um, so sometimes it's just asking, right? Like, yeah. you know, if, if, and I've talked to people that have even been play testers to say, Hey, you know, I just reached out to a publisher and said, Hey, uh, do you need another play tester? I'd love to be on your list. Yeah. Right. I've seen yeah, people I've... saying, Hey, you need help with social media. I've got a couple of things I can do to help promote. And then that can grow into something in the industry. So yeah, kind of like your I, think, LinkedIn.
1: I think, I think that because it's such a small industry, I think that yeah. that's more true, like you're saying, than for any other industry. I mean, oh, yeah. the access that a, you know, a gamer, just not a designer and not a, no, no, someone that doesn't work in the industry the access that they have to publishers and to designers uh, and to, you know, to these kind of like influencer, influential people in the industry is yes. it's, it's just like wide open. I mean, you can, you can, i've done that like especially early on you know just send emails to designers famous designers richard garfield and people like that and like gotten responses and (laughs) people you know ready and willing and accessible um because they want to help and they like love love the hobby and love and, and love to see it grow and love to support people so yeah absolutely
0: now i'd be remiss if i didn't ask about your most recent game mansplaining uh has this caused any like i think i saw on your tiktoks you're like sometimes people (laughs) i see the name and they just react right
1: yeah yeah it's 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 funny yeah
0: what's this game about like uh, give give me the gist of what this game is
1: yeah so it's um it's a party game i like to describe it as reverse taboo so one one player is um Uh, the mansplainer for the round. And they have a card that has a topic, something like how to mow the lawn or how to do laundry or something like that. Um, And they have to mansplain that topic to the group. And then, but then they also have four word, four cards that have uh, detail words, which are just unrelated, like kind of more obscure words that they have Mm -hmm. to sneak into their mansplanation. So they're trying to say those words without those words being identified by the people that are listening. So it's, it's, it's a fun cause it's like, you know, you have to have a very verbose explanation to fit um, the word, you know, renaissance into an explanation about how to make a taco or something. You know what I mean?
0: So we've got one on the, on the, I'm on the board game geek website here where it's okay. got how to <laughs> garden as a topic. And then the details, you got existential burrow, bloom and carpet. So you got to work at those four words. Right. Into into
1: and explain explanation of how to, how to garden, but
0: it's oh, awesome. Yeah, and then how does it so, score? Like how do you win? Like what's uh, what's the like the scoring kind of mechanism there then? Yeah,
1: so um if, if you're in the audience listening, you're gonna write down guesses about what those words are and what the topic was. And if you get those correct, then you get a point. Uh, and then if you're mansplaining, there's a Dixit scoring um, system. So if if um everybody but or if somebody but not everybody guesses your topic correctly, okay, then yeah. you get a point. And then you also get points for just using the words. Um so as long as you, you have those words in there, then you get a point for them. Um, so yeah, you just kind of go around, so everybody gets to do it twice, and then and then you add up the scores.
0: Oh, that's awesome! I love the name. Uh, yeah, at the yeah, very it's, least, it's, that's going to get people to stop and say, "What? what what's this?" Right,
1: right. <laughs> well, and it's. I mean, it's. We're really excited about um about the uh, about it. I mean, I think it has potential to like to like do you know to to have a pretty wide reach, which is exciting. But it has definitely been interesting um, to participate in the conversations around yeah no kidding. <laughs> Man, it's funny because so i co-designed uh the game with uh elise who is a designer that um is a friend of mine and she's she's excellent and uh yeah. we just we just kind of always text each other back and forth about the comments that are left on the bgg page about how you know the name is so sexist and offensive and and all this and you know it, it's 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 great because it's like just kind of like controversy that's going to drive traffic oh, yeah. to the game. Like for us, yeah. we're like, all right, yeah, bring it. <laughs> and it's also been fun to see, like you said, yeah. So I posted something like that on TikTok, and um, it, people are just coming out in support of, of us and, and really like throwing them, themselves behind kind of a, what we're doing in the face of this sort of internet troll situation that's been, been developing. And it'll probably be, I mean, they'll probably keep going and get worse oh, and worse. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but... yeah there's, there's a lot of trolls. I would say though, this is one of the industries that the, probably the least amount of trolls i've seen although they do exist and uh it's it's unfortunate but um what's your main tool for game design are you more of a kind of scissors paper pencil crowns kind of guy are you like a uh, tabletop simulator kind of designer
1: yeah i mean um pre-pandemic i i was all yeah paper and um scissors and stuff yeah i during the pandemic i was you know i didn't make a single physical prototype probably for you know at least like a year and a half yeah uh, and and four of the games that i signed no i'm sorry three of the games that i signed um were never played physically wow. before they were signed <laughs> Uh, I mean, I like I had a prototype myself, maybe, and like did it, but I had every like when I pitched mm-hmm. it to publishers and when I did the most of the playtesting, it was all online. Um, so I was pretty grateful for that. And now that now that people are getting back together again, I've, I've started making physical prototypes again. So I think I'm I think I prefer the the actual tactile physical prototype. Yeah. Um, but the ease of access that you know, playtesting online grants is just like really great. So I've I've taken advantage of that and probably will continue to, to someday that's the
0: challenge i think i'm working on a game right now with my design partner and brother and this one we did like printing cutting out uh getting uh physical pieces from the game crafter to use as our components it's just it's a heavy enough game that we really want to work out the tactile in-person kind of feel first
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and i think once that's we're we're almost there but once that's polished then we'll go uh tabletop simulator and, um, and use that as a way to digitally then play with people around the world and get their uh, their thoughts yeah. and feelings and, uh, and advice. So
1: yeah, I feel like it's a great tool.
0: So for other designers out there are people who just love following board games and listening to to game uh, design advice, how do they follow you? What what are your channels? How do people kind of follow your journey?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, primarily I'm my online, I'm on TikTok. I'm um, like, we, like we talked about. So if, uh, first of all, I just want to plug that, like designing designers on tiktok is a wide open frontier um if you know getting on youtube or getting on twitter or getting on facebook uh trying to create content um about design specifically it's yeah. it's just really saturated on those other platforms but it is absolutely not saturated on tiktok so what's your tiktok really, channel what's your channel name um games by mondo uh is is the, is the is the handle. So no spaces games by
0: Mondo is a handle. Games so if Mondo. people want to follow you to go to games by Mondo, if they want to follow me, they can go to at 10 robot games. Um, and, uh, and I know on your website, I think your website, let me get the uh, yeah the website's
1: Mondo, Mondo, D- Mondo right? mondodavis.com
0: Right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and are those the two primary channels you're using right now to kind of showcase your stuff?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, if you want to find me, that's where you can find me. You can also, um, we didn't talk about color field, which is my game coming up with 25th yeah. century games. But, um, if you can, if you follow 25th century games or breaking games, uh, for mansplaining, those are kind of the two, that's where the updates are going to come from about, um, about those, those titles, which hopefully will be coming out within the next, well, before the end of the year.
0: And just <laughs> so, very quickly. Are these going uh, straight to retail or are these going on Kickstarter?
1: Um, the plan right now is for Colorfield to go straight to retail um hopefully maybe like at the end of the summer or in the fall yeah and then uh mansplaining they're still kind of ironing out um, what route they want to take so it's looking like that will be a kickstarter project uh, that will drop at some point um in the second half of the year but
0: yeah that's awesome hey mondo congrats again man on all your success so far I'm going to keep watching, keep following, and see what else you have to come. want to wish you all the best in 2022. Yeah, you yeah thank care. you
1: so much. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. See ya.
0: This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.